one key response to a circumstance, a situation, or an experience in your life can create the aura of the rest of your life. Hi, I'm Peter Lopez, and you're listening to Purpose. In today's episode of Purpose, we're going to look into the scriptures, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2, the first 12 verses. We'll take bits and pieces of them here and there. And we're going to discover, basically today, a case study of two different groups of people. And in both of these groups of people, we're going to learn some valuable lessons about how you respond to the circumstances, the situations, or even some of the experiences that you go through. Don't ever underestimate how important your response is to everything you experience. We're going to start with verse number one by looking at the first group. This is what the scripture says in that passage. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So let's go ahead and jump right in. First, we are introduced to a group of people that these two verses call wise men. Just in case you're unfamiliar with that term, it's not just people who are have higher degrees or who are super smart. These are actually scientists, or some may even consider them astrologers. From the Far East is what we are told in this passage. Now, these scientists, we have to pay attention to what they say, because noticing or paying attention to what people say always reveals how they feel or what they believe. So what do these scientists say, and what does it reveal about them? First, this is what they say, where is he who was born king? They come looking for Jesus, who was just born, and they are calling him king. They believe Jesus was a leader. At this point, Jesus is two years old, approximately, and so they believe Jesus was a leader from birth. It's important to know how they feel about Jesus. They also ask, we say this, we have seen his star. Notice how they assign ownership of a star in the sky. And these, remember, are scientists. They're astrologers. They know what the stars are like. They know the skies. But they assign ownership of a star to Jesus. That's not because Jesus had filled out some form and had mailed it in to some astrologers club to receive the specific rights to name a star. That wasn't going on in those days. Not yet. It does now. You can name a star after yourself. But in this case, they're going much deeper than that. They're actually assigning ownership of a star to Jesus. This means that they believe that Jesus was actually the owner of nature. They believe Jesus owned this star. He was an owner of nature. They also say this, that they have come to worship him. They interpreted the star as a call to follow, and they did. The star, in their minds, was their sign to follow Jesus, and that's what they did. They went after the star. They followed it all the way to Jesus. And then they say they want to follow it because their plan, their end goal, is to worship him. And that term, to worship him, is pretty significant. It means that they've decided that Jesus is going to be the 
authority of their life. He will be their ultimate authority. And so they follow this star because they want to worship him. They have come to worship Jesus. These are just like three responses of that we can get from what these scientists say. But these scientists responded clearly in a very specific way to Jesus. They believed in him. I mean, that's the summary of it. They believed in Jesus and they chose to make Jesus their ultimate authority. So this is important to know because this is how they are responding to something that they are experiencing. Before we look at how their response impacted their life, let's look at the next person and let's see what the response of the next person was. In fact, we're told about him in verse number three. It says, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. Immediately, you can already sense a different tone. We are introduced now to King Herod. Now, King Herod was known to be a very cruel king. In fact, if you were to look at what I would call his resume of evil, this is what his resume would include. He killed his wife and his two sons in order to protect his own reign. He also killed any Jew who opposed him. And thirdly, he murdered his entire family line so that no one can attempt to steal the throne from him. All right, so this is his resume of evil. Immediately, you already kind of get a sense of who Herod is, and you probably already can anticipate what Herod's response is going to be to Jesus. But let's keep going. Let's pay attention, like we did with the scientist. Let's pay attention to Herod's words, his response. What does it say about him? All right, what does it say? Quickly and briefly, it summarizes it with one word, troubled. Herod was troubled. That means he's distressed. It means he's agitated. It means he's anxious. It means he has a lot of inward commotion going on inside of him. All right, and that's pretty much the one word that it tells us about Herod's response. So Herod's response, obviously, to Jesus is just as specific as the scientist's response. It's just different. Herod seemed to believe that Jesus existed. I mean, we're going to find out. He's asking questions about exactly who is he and where was he born and where is he now? And he's asking all. So he believes that Jesus exists, but he's refusing to believe in Jesus as his authority or in the greatness of Jesus. So it's a completely different response than the scientist had. So what you have now before you is a little bit of a case study, right? Now you have two opposite responses to Jesus. So what I'd like to do is end by looking at the details of their lives, because we can look at the details of the lives of the shepherd and the details of the lives of the scientist, and let's discover through those details how their response impacted the aura of their lives. What did their life become or what was their life like as a result of their response. Let's get into it. First, let's start with the scientists. So we know that the scientists responded with belief. So because of their response of belief, the aura of their life was, all right, let's look into the details. First, it had purpose. The aura of their life had purpose. In other words, they knew exactly what they wanted. They wanted to follow the star and they were going to go after it and they were doing it. That's what you call purpose. You know what you want and you're doing it. 
That's what the scientists had. They had purpose. So because of their belief, their response was belief and their response created the aura of purpose. Sounds like something you'd want, right? Wouldn't you like to know exactly what you want? And then wouldn't you like to be doing exactly what you know you've wanted to do? That's where they were. And it was a result of their response. Now, another detail of their life tells us that they had very clear perspective. In other words, they were able to see the star and they were able to interpret the star for exactly what it was. It was all true. They saw things as they were. Now, I know that this sounds simple and maybe also has a depth to it that we don't fully grasp. But clear perspective is something that not everyone lives within. Not everyone sees the reality. People often experience a self-deception or people experience such strong feelings or emotions that end up putting a shade or a shadow on everything around them. So what they think is reality is actually not. They begin generating their own realities. They begin seeing things when there's really nothing there to see. They begin drawing their own conclusions when those conclusions are completely separated from reality. Clear perspective is something that not everybody has, but it's something that these scientists had, and it was the direct result of their response to Jesus. They had purpose, and they had clear perspective. They were actually able to see things for what they were. It was true. What they were seeing was true. There was no falsehood to it. They also had self-awareness. In other words, they knew their place. They would say, okay, we're coming to find him to, and he is, he is our Lord. He is our God. He is a leader. They knew their place in life. They had a serious sense of self-awareness. And again, this is the exact opposite of self-deception. Or this is the exact opposite of an individual who wants to feel a certain way about themselves, but that is not really their own personal reality. Self-awareness is one of those things that's a gift. It's something everybody wants to have, but it's something very few people do. But if you have self-awareness, it empowers your decisions. It empowers your direction. It empowers your ability to connect with others to relate with others it 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 literally it empowers your ability to grow self-awareness is huge and they had it because of the fact that they responded in the specific way that they did with belief it also says that they had authentic joy it says that there was so much like like overflowing with joy that they had this sense of excitement. Their life seemed exciting. Their life had this sense of joy. Not a lot of people have this. A lot of people want, in fact, I'd almost say just about everyone wants a sense of authentic joy. These scientists, they had that. They had that sense of joy and it was real. They were excited about life because of their response. They also had financial security. They had enough financial security that they could, out of their treasure, give significant gifts to the family of this two-year-old Jesus. And they gave these gifts to Jesus and to his family. They had enough financial security to be able to do that. 
So their response even seemed to bring to them a sense of financial security that tells you how deep their response actually went, that it penetrated every aspect of their life. Their response came from deep within and really penetrated everything else, including financial security because of their response. They even had detailed instructions for life. In fact, at the end of their time with Jesus, it says that they were getting ready to return back to the east the same way, and God, through a dream, spoke to them and told them, don't return that way, don't stop and talk to Herod, but go home a different way. It was a very detailed instruction. The kind that we oftentimes want in our lives, like when we have to make a big decision and we think, what should I do? Or the times that we have to decide between two different paths of life and we're thinking, how should I respond? Or the times we get something that kind of comes across us as the result of someone else and we're thinking, how do I now respond to this person? Which, what should I do? There are so many times in life that we want detailed instructions. Should I accept this job or should I not? What insurance should I go with? Uh, I mean, on and on it goes. God gives these people detailed instruction for life as a direct result of their response. All right. So we have found that the scientists responded with belief and the aura of their life. I mean, just to put it plainly was the kind of aura of life that I want to live within and probably what you would like to have as the aura of your life. But let's look at the opposite side of the case study. Let's look at Herod now. Because Herod, opposite, responded by refusing Jesus' authority. And so what was the aura of his life? We saw one response. Now this is the other response. The aura of his life became, let's talk about it. First, we know he was troubled. What does that mean? That means he experienced significant major inner turmoil. I mean, it means he was torn up on the inside. And the inside is most of what we would think. His heart ached. His heart hurt. That's on the inside. He was emotionally unstable. I mean, he was up and he was down emotionally. Anxiety, all the things that we think of now that are internal um these are the things he experienced. Inner turmoil was the aura of his life. He was ripped apart, torn up, struggling on the inside. He responded a specific way, and this is what it created. The aura of his life created, it was inner turmoil. Also, negative influence. It tells us that his turmoil was so uh, disastrous within him that the entire city of Jerusalem was troubled as well. They were troubled because they knew the kind of things that he was capable of doing. He was a murderer, essentially. So they knew the kind of things he was capable of doing. And when they see him troubled, everybody's afraid of him because what's he going to do when he's in this type of mood? It's a negative influence. He basically started influencing everyone around him, an entire city, negatively. And, and that's, that's what happens. The aura of your life becomes a negative aura. And everyone that's closest to you begins to feel this negative aura that you're putting off. They begin to feel this negative sense and tone and attitude and spirit and culture and presence. And nobody, nobody wants to be with people with that type of tone. He also had a harder life. 
it tells us that he had to have meetings and another meeting and another meeting and that he was trying to secure all of this information. His life became harder. It's, it's like he's walking through mud or climbing uphill and yet never getting anywhere. His life became hard. It also tells us that he had an aura around him of constant manipulation. He's meeting with one group of people and trying to manipulate the circumstances and tell them little half-truths and try to get them to do exactly what he wants. But how does he deceptively communicate to them to make that so? And next thing you know, he's almost like a puppet master trying to manipulate everyone around him so he could get it his way. He is manipulating circumstances. You know in your life when you are manipulating circumstances you're forcing your way and you're trying to shade truths to people that you talk to you are trying to present a different conclusion or a different reality so people around you could work to what you want them to do it also tells us that he was lying he literally was just all straight up tell me where jesus is so i can go worship him and it was a straight up lie he's not going to go worship him he's actually going to murder jesus just like he's murdered anyone else that he has perceived to be a threat to his throne he's lying and you know what lying does it's you literally speaking things that are not true and then always having to look over your shoulder to see if the lie comes back to get you always having to look around you to see if the lie has to continue to live on, but a life of lying. All right, so you basically have now here two, in this one case study, two examples. One response of the scientist and the aura of their life that it created. Then you have another response, the opposite type of response from the king, and you see the aura of life that it created. The truth here, one key response creates the aura of your life. So listen, in general, we need to learn to be deliberate about your responses to what you experience because you're going to experience things on a daily basis. You're going to experience things on a weekly basis, maybe on a monthly, annually, or likely you're just going to go through one or two major events in your life that are so huge, you're going to know when you've entered this major event. You need to remember that your response has to be deliberate. The experience that you're going through may not be something that you can control, but your response, you can control that. I just want you to remember that you have to be deliberate about your response because your response creates the aura of life that you're going to have to live in. So if you want to live in a negative aura, then you want to make sure that your response is negative. But who wants that, right? If you want to live in a positive aura, the one that we've talked about and laid out, then you want to make sure you respond positively. I'm just trying to remind you guys to be deliberate about your responses to everything that you experience, because it is your response to everything that you experience that's going to create the aura of life that you are going to be living in. And you won't be able to blame anyone for what the aura of your life is. You'll have to trace it back to your response. Now, secondly, I want to challenge you with your response to Jesus, because that's what the detail of this story was. It was about Jesus. I'm going to ask you to take your response to Jesus very seriously. 
believing in Jesus and rejecting Jesus have very specific auras of life that they create. We've seen that from the scientist and the king. All right, so you need to be very specific and really like thoughtful about what your response to Jesus is going to be. Are you going to choose to accept him and make him like the Lord, the master of your life, give him full control? Or are you going to choose to instead just acknowledge that he exists, but not make him the Lord and master of your life, not surrender every aspect of yourself over to him? And remembering that your response to Jesus will determine the aura of life that you're going to be living in. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I just want you to remember through the course of the next few days, until we come out with our next one in a week or so, I want you to remember that one key response to one significant experience or event in your life creates and will, can and will create the aura of life that you live in. So guard your responses. Make sure you're responding wisely and correctly. And as always, Thanks for listening.